waters of the waters of the earth. Before that, Charlie Morgan, Brother Charlie Morgan, the late Brother Bounce Belly, his song about motherhood, beauty, pregnancy. And the first one was the master. Apologies. We're here with you for the duration, that is until 12 noon. Let's see what we got on call today. Really good news out of Los Angeles, where UTLA, the teachers' union, second biggest in the country, and SEIU representing the port staff, workers, schools who drive the buses, prepare the lunches, work as paraprofessionals in the classrooms. SEIU, those two unions got together and scored a big victory. We shouldn't have to work ourselves to death in response to the French government raising the retirement age from 62 to 64. Times takes a look at it from the point of view of working people. We shouldn't have to work ourselves to death. When they raise that age where you can retire, that means two more or three more, four more years of working. whole collection of Earth Day songs. We got Jack Johnson, William, SOS Mother Nature, Me Logan, Labor History in Two, Rick Smith's show. Where your tax money goes from bituations. Story about the earth written by a bot. Radio, this is Labor and Love Radio, I should say. Before we tell you how it is. They get work for twenty years of work. The dollar they get You don't have a seat at the table to negotiate at the table where you work. You're on the menu. Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Okay, so let's jump right into our regular radio labor report. This is our focusing all around the world. And um, radio labor is.
your neighbor. News report. Don't even have to cook it either. You just open the can on the counter and it has a meltdown. So I went to a place where the food was fast serving clone cows raised on pasture land rainforest once. I think I'd rather have some slow food for lunch. But not a corporate burger. It could have come from a septic company merger and it ain't no fun to eat what's in between those buns. Now I ain't quite ready to live just on the rays of the sun like I know some Indian yogis have done. But you are what you eat and how strange you see to go by the name of MSG. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, April 21st, 2023. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, a major breakthrough in the labor movement's campaign to win greater corporate tax transparency. 155,000 workers are on strike in one of Canada's largest strikes. The Labor Start report about union events and singing. Hold that line. Hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold that picket line. This is Radio Labor. After years of campaigning by the labor movement, there has been a major breakthrough in the fight to get multinational corporations to provide greater transparency in how they pay taxes. The problem has been that corporations have been shifting their profits from one country to another so they can pay less taxes something ordinary workers cannot do. The Australian government has tabled draft legislation to publicly report where the corporations pay taxes and therefore where they are evading taxes. The Global Union, which has been at the forefront of the worldwide campaign to get corporations to report their taxes in a more transparent way, is Public Services International. The PSI represents more than 30 million unionized public sector workers in 154 countries. I talked to Daniel Bertosa about the Australian corporate tax draft legislation. Mr. Bertosa is the PSI's Assistant General Secretary. I asked him about the legislation and why it is important. Mark, this is corporate transparency information that all workers should be happy about. And the legislation requires companies publicly report the tax information in each country where they operate. And this is important because companies use tax havens and a number of accounting tricks to move profits that they make in, in a country where they don't want to pay tax overseas into other tax havens. Uh, and increasingly, the tax office wants to know not just what profit is being made by a large multinational in their own country, but if they have artificially reduced those profits by moving those profits to another country to avoid tax. And the OECD has implemented some standards around this, but these standards are, are not very good. They're, they're flawed in some important technical 
ways because they don't require all the information. And this was because the global corporate lobby pushed back very hard on the OECD when they were setting these standards. But the, the second thing the OECD standards don't do is that they don't publish them. The OECD keeps this information secret so the public don't know. And this is very important because depending on the government that you, you have in your country, the tax office sometimes is not always as rigorous as it should be in pursuing large corporations for their tax affairs. And sometimes the tax office can even facilitate agreements that allow these large corporations to lower their taxes. And this is for a range of reasons. Sometimes it's because the government uh, is ideologically in favour of that. At other times, these corporations are just so huge that they can outlawyer them. And what that creates is a situation where workers get prosecuted for very small errors on their tax payments. Uh, welfare recipients, as we all know, often get harassed because of overpayments to them or, or the perception that they are cheating. Yet massive multinational companies who are dodging millions and hundreds of millions and sometimes billions of taxes, they can do a deal with the tax office. So it's very important that this information is public so that workers know who's dodging tax and how that's happening. There has been some movement. The European Union implemented a form of public reporting, but it made a lot of exceptions and, and it didn't require this information to be provided for all the countries in which a corporation is operating. So it's not very useful. What's really powerful about what the Australian government has done is that it's used a very good technical standard. It's proposing to use the Global Reporting Initiative standards or standards based on that. And this is a voluntary corporate accountability standard and it's very robust and it is also public, but it's a voluntary code. Uh, and PSI was involved and other trade unions were involved in setting the standards, so we've got confidence in it. But the problem with that standard is that it is a voluntary standard and it means that the worst tax dodgers, of course, will, won't use it. So the Australian government proposed legislation is very important for a couple of reasons. One, because it is a technically robust standard that workers can have a lot of confidence in. And two, they're making it public. And this is really groundbreaking because it's the first time that any government in the world will make this information public so that everybody can see who is dodging their taxes. strike but we know this is the only tool we had left in our toolbox to, to basically get this government to come to the table with a, an offer that's fair and decent that is chris aylward the president of the public service alliance of canada the psac called a strike of 155,000 of its members on wednesday april 19th we've been at the bargaining table for almost two years treasury board has been dragging its, its feet for two years Finally, in the last two weeks, Treasury Board has come to the table and started negotiating. They could have done that a year and a half ago. They could have done that six months ago. Why did they wait until our deadline for a strike was fast approaching? That, uh, that was absolutely not necessary. Our wage demand has always been 
so that we can keep up or keep in line with the rate of inflation. Workers in this country are fed up, they're frustrated, and rightfully so. Everybody wants to pay workers nothing, but yet we sit back and we watch corporations make record profits. We're being, we're being gouged in grocery store aisles, we're being gouged in the gas pumps, but yet everybody wants to repress the workers' wages. When this government represses its, its wages on its own employees, what it's doing is repressing wages for all workers right across the country. Workers in this country are fed up, and they deserve a fair and decent wage increase, and that is no different with federal public sector employees as well. Whatever happens at the federal level, then we've seen this, usually, normally, will trickle down provincially, territorially, and private sector's employers as well. If this government continues to offer like nothing at the uh, bargaining uh, table for our members, Every employer in the country is going to feel, oh, the federal government didn't give their employees nothing. We don't have to give our employees nothing either. If this government believes, as they say, they believe in workers, they'll come to the bargaining table and they'd set that bar for all workers across the country. Our members have been delivering services to Canadians in a, in a very quality way. This government is on record as saying we have a world-class public service. Well, if that's true and you believe that and we believe that, then come to the bargaining table and show us that. Standing up in the House of Commons and making comments about the great work of the federal public service, that's no good for our members. Our members can't bring that to the bank. I would ask every member of Parliament in the House of Commons to support workers' right to strike and to vote against any back-to-work legislation if it's introduced. Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top story section included links to coverage of how Bangladeshi and global unions are marking the 10th anniversary of the Rana Plaza disaster. This industrial homicide, perhaps the largest in history, is known to have killed over 1,100 garment workers, most of them young women. To mark the date, global union federations and the International Trade Union Confederation are calling for the extension of the Bangladesh Accord to other countries. The Accord, which Pakistan has already signed on to, requires global clothing brands and governments to set and enforce minimum safety standards for industrial workplaces. In addition to calls from Education International and other global labor bodies for an end to the violence, We also carried news from Sudanese trade unions, including the influential Doctors Syndicate, which remains one of the few reliable sources of news about the extent to which civilians are suffering as a result of the fighting. And we also had news from Hong Kong, where the former leader of a now-banned trade union continues to be the victim of judicial harassment by the Chinese authorities. We had coverage from Canada of a strike by 155,000 federal public sector workers in what is likely the largest strike in that country's history, and from the Georgia-Uzbekistan border, where unpaid truckers have begun a wildcat strike and blockade over wage theft. This week, our Working Women news page carried news of India's ratification of ILO Convention 190. The convention, which now has the force of law in countries which have ratified it, bans harassment and discrimination, especially gender and sexual harassment, in the workplace. 
Our volunteers also collected a report that concludes that 8 of 10 UK employers pay women less than men for performing the same work. News of the National Union of Metalworkers of South Africa's efforts to end sexual harassment at a Ford car factory and stories detailing why midwives and nurses in Mali have suspended their national walkout. Stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week included the ongoing struggle to have silica dust banned from Australian workplaces, a similar and even longer-lived fight in the United Kingdom to have asbestos removed from public buildings, and the staggering increase in violence on public transport in Canada. Our current photo of the week is a shot of the rescue efforts that were underway 10 years ago Monday in the wreckage of the Rana Plaza garment factory. Labor Start hosts online solidarity actions at the request of unions around the world. This week we'd like to highlight two new urgent appeals for online solidarity with trade union activists in Belarus and in Georgia. If you can spare just a few seconds, you can do your part in these struggles by sending a solidarity message. Look for details of these and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Robin Roberts with Hold That Line. Hold that line. Hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold that picket line. Hold that line. Hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold that picket line. We're standing here together, one for all and all for one, and we'll keep right on here standing till our victory we have won. We're united in our struggle, no, there's none us can divide. We'll yield nothing to the enemy, cause we've justice on our side. So now hold that line. Hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold that picket line. Hold that line, hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold that picket line. line against the bosses when they try to drive us back hold that line against the coppers and their armed baton attacks hold that line against the government against all enemies of our class hold that line against the scabs to no, know we'll never let them pass hold that line hold that line sisters brothers never weaken stand and hold that picket line hold that line Hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold that picket line. Hold that line against the World Bank and against the IMF. Hold that line and keep on holding it as long as we have breath. Hold that line against their dogma, hold that line against their creed. Hold that line to save the future from their plunder and their greed. Singing now, hold that line. Hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold that picket line. Hold that line, hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold that picket line. We're standing with the millions, reaching out across this world, and with those who fought before us, our banners here unfurled. But there's more room yet beside us, if you'll come and join our cause, for the chains that now enslave you, they're all you've got to lose. Hold that line, hold that line, sisters, brothers, never weaken, stand and hold. 
picket line. Now there's folks in Washington care. 
but you don't know what you've got till it's gone. We paid paradise, put up a parking lot. I said, don't it always seem to go? But you don't know what you've got till it's gone. We paid paradise, put up a parking lot. We paid paradise, put up a parking lot.
their musical suggestion about what can be done with open land. Instead of parking lot, as Joni Mitchell notes, not a park where people can meet, kids can go and play. Community center for everybody. That's what happened.
more into Are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Any DeFranco gives it an ecological. Make more garbage or clean up the earth? What are we going to do? Great union song, Foreign Police, 1932. <coughs> on strike against a big coal company. Goons from the coal company came to her house. Her husband tore her house apart, and while they were doing that, Lawrence Reese composed words to "Which side are you on?" On the back of a calendar. Which side are you? Regular union man or? And Joni Mitchell talking about you don't you don't appreciate what you've got until it goes away. In her case, a parking lot replaced a forest. Big red taxi took her old man away. Well, it's a happy Earth Day to all of you. I hope you get out there and do something for our mother, the Earth, our common mother, and I hope it's part of your life. Respect. Recharge the Earth. Because we know the Earth is not going anywhere. What's going somewhere is humanity, is people. The Earth will have its own we treat the earth badly, the earth will react as it does with hurricanes, droughts, snowfall in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of summer, in places where it's never been before. Huge floating islands of garbage in the middle of the ocean. The earth will have its own. Okay, that was our set. Let's look at some union news. And like I say, there's some very encouraging union news coming out of Los Angeles. But let's start with popularresistance.org. Death of over a 1,000 garment workers in Bangladesh. From November 24th, 2013, workers entered Rana Plaza, an eight-story building in the Dhaka suburb of Savar in Bangladesh. They produce garments for a transnational commodity chain that stretches from the cotton fields of South Asia through Bangladesh's machines and workers and on to retail houses in the Western world. Garments for such famous brands as Benetton, 
Bon Marche, Prada, Gucci, Versace, and Zara are stitched there, as well as the cheaper clothes that hang on Walmart. Parenthetical insertion here. A little while later, around 11.30, we're going to hear from Vita, our campus correspondent, talking about instant, instant fashion, cheaply made clothes that are mass-produced and turned over very quickly to keep up with fashion, and marching forward ever more rapidly because of social media and the parenthetical. The previous day, Bangladeshi authorities had asked the owner, Sohel Rana, to evacuate the, evacuate the building due to structural problems. Building has minor damage, said Rana. There's nothing serious. But at 8.57 on 24 April, the building collapsed in the span of two minutes killing at least 1,132 people and injuring 2,500 more. Circumstances of the collapse were similar to the 1911 Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire in New York City, where 146 people died. Tragically, a century later, garment workers are still subject to these dangerous labor conditions. The common denominator besides women and workers dying is the greed of the The list of avoidable accidents is savar as long and painful. In April 2005, at least 79 workers died in a factory collapse. February 2006, eight workers, 18 workers died in yet another collapse, followed by 25 in June 2010 and 124 in the Tarzine faction, fashion factory fire. On and on, writing about the factory regime 19th century England, Karl Marx noted in Chapter 10 of Capital, but in its blind, unrestrainable passion, its werewolf hunger for surplus labor, capital oversteps not only the moral, but even the merely physical maximum bounds of the body. It steals the time required for the consumption of fresh air and sunlight. All that concerned it is simply and solely the maximum of labor power that can be rendered fluent in a single day. It attains this end by shortening the extent of the laborer's life as a greedy farmer snatches increased produce from the soil by robbing it. The article goes on to analyze the uh, landscape of globalized labor. Subdued countries that had neither patriotic will to fight for their citizens, or any concern for the long-term debilitation of the social order, 
rush to welcome multinational clothing companies. Garment industry in Bangladesh, which comprises 80% of the country's total export earnings, grew entirely in securities alone, offering workers few prospects to unionize. It is no wonder that these Check it out. 1926, the All-Bengal Tenants Conference met in Krishnagar, formed the Kirti Kasan Worker Peasant, Peasant Party, an early communist political platform in South Asia. Kazi Narul Islam sang his Song of the Workers at this meeting, a poem that could have been written for Rana Plaza workers the millions who toil along the global commodity chain. We are the we are mere coolies working at the machines in these terrible times. We are mere dupes and fools to discover the diamond and make a gift of it to the king to adorn his crown. Hold fast your hammer, pick up your shovel. Sing in unison in advance, switch off the machine light, the Satan's eye. Come along, O oh comrade. Keep your weapon ready. Ten years ago, and this article was written on the 21st of April in this year, things are pretty much the same, despite all the noise big companies like Nike make security zones and we're going to send Michael Jordan over there to check it out. Andrew Young will speak for us. And so they do, but who speaks for those workers? Okay. About this one, we shouldn't have to work ourselves to death. This is from In These Times. Why raising the retirement age is a bad idea, Christopher Martin. In France, for the last three months, a million or more people have filled the streets of cities across the country in daily rolling protests and strikes opposing the national pension reform proposed by French President Emmanuel Macron. The plan would raise the age of an eligibility for a government pension, in effect a minimum retirement age, from 62 to 64. Although nearly two-thirds of the French people opposed this change and the French parliament did not have the votes to approve it, Macron unilaterally pushed it through. Claimed it was needed to respond to people living longer and the French government's debt. 
Macron later narrowly avoided a no-confidence vote in the National Assembly. Protests have continued. Angry citizens. French daily paper Le Monde quoted two workers from a nearby power plant run by the French electrical utility EDF. One explained why he was protesting. I've been on shift work there for 31 years, so I'm pretty fed up. Another said, we work all year round in noise, heat, risk from chemicals and radiation. We won't let our best years of retirement be stolen. So people work for 30, 40 years. And now the news comes, they've got to keep working. Look forward to retirement. Debates over how much a pension works for wages are not new. A person works for wages are not new. The National Labor Union called for an eight-hour workday in 1866. It wasn't until 1940 that the 40-hour week became standard. And of course, there's consistent pressure from employers to work longer days and longer weeks. Although some people now are floating the idea of a four-hour work week. And that whole revolutionary idea that the better workers feel at work, the better work they do. Makes sense, doesn't it? Sort of worker co-ops, which are really the solution to these problems. Greater, more existential question here is how much work goes into a lifetime. For the French, the answer found on many protest signs has been 64 years. It's a no. For many Americans, 64 seems like a perfectly fine answer. After all, when the U.S. raised its age for full Social Security benefits from 65 to 67, no protests to mark the occasion. Rationale for the change was similar to Francis. Social Security Fund was projected to run low on money in the coming decades. People didn't protest because the 1983 law phased in a two-year increase over 22 years. People affected were most likely in their 20s and likely weren't paying attention. This is how politicians do us. They retire earlier, say at 62, they'd receive only 70% of their full benefit. 65 retirees get just 86.7%. may sound logical. People live longer, they can work longer, and hold off receiving Social Security benefits they'd paid into their whole working lives. And another parenthetical insertion. The rich, the people who make over $160,000 a year, 
only pay into Social Security up to that amount. Any money they make afterwards, millions, billions, whatever they're making, are not subject to Social Security tax. As French protesters understand, working class people often can't stay on the job that long. Even if they could, they would have fewer years after their working lives to pay the tax. So there it is. Now they want your retirement. You got it too easy. You're working 30, 40 years. They want more out of you, just like article we just read about, Bangladesh. They want more out of you, as Karl Marx noted. It isn't just the physical demands of many working-class jobs. It's a class issue we can see if we look at the Senior Citizen Country Club set. As an extensive study by the Brookings Institute shows, income is a strong predictor of life expectancy. Postponing the retirement age results in more frequent and longer sick leave for older workers due to the gradual deterioration in the health status of workers at the end of their careers. For example, a 40-year-old man with incomes in the bottom 1% have an expected age at death of 72 years, while those with incomes in the top 1% have an expected age of at death of 87 years. Consider that now, 15 years longer. Working class people are likelier to have shorter lives. Life expectancy calculator will give you the average number of additional years a person can expect to live, but it sidesteps measures of socioeconomic class. Unlike the French, Americans aren't taking to the streets to fight for a better retirement. Labor unions have done so. 91% of union workers have access to a retirement plan versus 65% of non-union workers. 90% of union workers, 9 tenths of 2%. Decades of assaults on public and private pension plans have left another 47% of men and 50% of women ages 53 to 66 with zero retirement savings. Another 11% of men and 13% of women have less than $25,000. Millions simply can't afford to stop working. Okay, check it out. Republicans want to raise it to 70. Christopher Martin in In These Times. Shouldn't have to work ourselves.
Okay, here's a news flash about the big strike in Los Angeles and how it was settled. Story tonight, the big agreement reached between the union mm -hmm. representing service workers and LAUSD. Sandra Mitchell is live in downtown Los Angeles with the details on what's being described as a historic agreement. Sandy. Yeah, it really is, Micah. We got everything we wanted. That's what some LAUSD contract service workers are saying. We will get to the details of that contract in just a moment. But first, let's show you what happened here at LA City Hall just a few moments ago. As you described it, uh, Micah, it is historic. Mayor Karen Bass, who served as mediator of these strike talks, school superintendent and the executive director of the SEIU Local 99, apparently were huddled in a room for the past four days. They talked about these late night phone calls, very early morning phone calls that were flying back and forth. Well, today we can tell you they do have an agreement. After nine months of negotiations, it was that strike over the past few days, which uh, just ended today. It really did put so much pressure on the school district and officials. These low paid, these determined employees who gathered by the thousands in the streets. It really was not a good look for the city or a good look for our new mayor, Karen Bass. For those 30,000 custodians, cafeterias, bus drivers and uh, other service workers, here's what it means. Take a look at the contract details. Essentially a 30% wage increase, exactly what they were asking for. Retroactive pay up to $8,000 and free health care for their entire family. We do have reaction now from the mayor, the school superintendent, Alberto Carvalho, and the local union director. Well, we've done it. And I want to thank Executive Director Max Arias and Superintendent Cavallo for coming together to put our families first. People of goodwill can transition from the impossible to the inevitable to the extent that they have the right amount of belief, skill, and will. Madam Mayor and Max, these are individuals who have the perfect balance of belief, skill, and will. This agreement will set new standards, not just for Los Angeles, but for the whole state. All sides seem pretty pleased about this. We can tell you that next year, 2024, they could be back at it again. Not the service workers, but the teachers. That's when LAUSD teachers contract expires. Remember, they walked out on the picket lines over the past few days to support these service workers. It is likely the service workers will do the same thing for them if it comes to that next year. But I can tell you the feeling at City Hall, the feeling in downtown L.A. right now is really one of uh, a sense of working together, coming together for the good of the children and the parents in this city. Again, it is a done deal. The contract is settled. Back to you in the studio. Sandra, thank you. Well, we're not getting any audio from it. The settlement, LA USD union workers, this 
from the L.A. Times, who led massive strike against the tentative settlement. And, of course, the key here <coughs> is that SEIU and UTLA, the teachers' union, stood together. <coughs> SEIU went out on strike, 30,000 people. And the teachers followed them. It was a three-day strike. A tentative agreement reached Friday between Los Angeles Unified School District and the union representing support staff won raises of about 30% or more for the lowest wage workers one day after the end of a strike that shut down schools for three days. Approved by union members, the agreement achieved after mediation with Mayor Karen Bass could prevent campuses from being closed again. 420,000 students and spare workers, job actions that would have been difficult to bear. Local 99 of the SEIU, which represents about 30,000 employees and includes Bus drivers, teacher aides, special education assistants, custodians, and food service workers led the strike that began Tuesday and ended Thursday. Also on strike were members of United Teachers of Los Angeles, which represents 35,000 teachers, counselors, therapists, Nurses and librarians. UTLA remains in negotiations. But now that UTLA has shown its solidarity and walked out with the service workers, service workers are certain to return the favor. Okay, a big deal. Doris Weta reminded us us on several occasions. We've got to be together. If we're together, we win. And this is a huge victory. Speaking as a retired teacher, now it's coming to San Francisco. I marched uh, in solidarity the other day outside school district headquarters. So we'll see what happens with our own teachers in San Francisco. And speaking of teachers, I wonder how many of you have heard of Ruth Perry. Ruth Perry was an English teacher, and this article in uh, the Real News Network called UK teachers are not backing down. Between 2010 and 2022, teachers in UK experienced real terms pay cuts, means allowing for inflation, coming on of 5 to 13 percent. Their pay has fallen more than that of nurses and other public sector workers. And new teachers earn far below their counterparts in other professions with similar 
education credentials. And uh, past year has seen a historic wave of trade union strikes in the UK with transport workers, nurses, junior doctors, university lecturers, ambulance drivers, Amazon workers, and others walking out. Earlier this year, the NEU, the National Education Union, met with its annual national conference, a meeting that took place at a crucial juncture in this ongoing industrial action. The conference opened with the unveiling of NEU members' verdict on the UK government's recent pay offer. 98% of nearly 200,000 Voted like it should be. Had voted to reject it. So there's a cost of living crisis, but there's also the oppression of teachers. One serious concern that er emerged out of these strike strategy deliberations was the upcoming exam season. The UK has an extremely exam-centric education system. A student's final grades in many subjects entirely decided by exams taken at the end of the last year of schooling. Many teachers have already found it difficult to cancel class time in the lead-up exam. And this pressure will only become more intense we inch closer to exam season, which is scheduled to take place between May and June. Now the, these are the invisible things that that teachers go through, that people take a look at salaries, maybe the summer off, maybe since you're dealing with kids, a lot of teachers are dealing with kids. People think it's easy or that it's trivial work. And it's not at all. There are all these things, in this case, offset. The UK's highly controversial school inspection service, Offset, has only made these existing problems worse. Non-ministerial Department of Government, the Office for Standards and Education, Children's Services and Skills, is responsible for inspecting all state schools and reporting to Parliament on their quality. Teachers are saddled with extensive reporting requirements related to offset. They experience particularly extreme stress every few years when their school is up for inspection. After observing a school for one day, an offset inspector will issue a one to two word rating. Outstanding, good, requires improvement or inadequate, which is publicly available. These offset ratings can make or break educators' careers. 
is the recent suicide of head teacher Ruth Perry after an unsuccessful offset inspection tragically highlighted the cruel, unnecessary pressures about this picture. What's worse, the government has offered no credible evidence that offset's punitive system of accountability has improved the quality of schools, nor has it considered alternative accountability. Issues with pay, workload, and stress have led to a teacher requirement, recruitment, and retention crisis in the region. The government routinely fails to meet its targets for recruiting new teachers in most subjects. One in three new teachers are leaving the profession within five years. Well, statistics are similar here in the U.S. Pressures that teachers are under are similar. All right. Mercy, mercy, mercy me, the ecology. Mercy, mercy. Okay. Looking for the master. Reminding us of how wonderful our world is and how wonderful it could be if we take care of our earth. Trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Wow. 
fire and flood and it's mostly clustered around a bay now the bay used to run a little bit further south but it's silted up pretty much in most of its pasture land so running along the south side of it is a levee with a road on it and on the south side of the levee road is the home of a family called Love. And every once in a while, the, the water tries to reclaim that part of the bay and runs over the levee and floods. And even though over the years, the Love family has put their house up on posts, Somebody stopped to jump on a rowboat and row away to dry terra firma. Regrettably also, the, the rising waters also seem to be a little bit too much like the rising costs of housing. Land and homes have gotten to a point where most people can't afford them. And unfortunately, I've had to watch uh, too many of my friends move away from the area because they couldn't afford to buy a home or rent anymore. So this is the Levy Road song. Oh, the water on the Levy Road, it rose. Oh, the water on the Levy Road, it rose. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. It rose so high, it put a tear in my eye. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. 
Inch by inch the water rises slow. Inch by inch the water rises slow. Inch by inch it rises slow. Me and my family gotta pack up and go. The water on a levee road it rose. The water rose and then it came in waves. The water rose and then it came in waves. The water rose and then it came in waves. So much came that the levee gave. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. is like the price of land we cannot afford to rent or buy we gotta tell all our neighbors goodbye oh the water on the levee road it rose water rose from below and the water fell from above water rose from below and water fell from above Water rose from below, water fell from above. Could not drown out the house of love. Oh, the water on a levee road, it rose. The water rises like the price of land. The water rises like the price of land. We cannot afford to rent or buy. We're gonna have to tell our neighbors goodbye. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose.
there you have um, Michael Jackson's passion Victims of capitalism all over the world. Good video to check out. Touch it. These <laughs> animals dying. <coughs> Before that, Miley Cyrus. <coughs> Wake up, America. What are we doing to the earth? Time to wake up. Was Armstrong before that with a beautiful vision of how life could be echoing John Trotsky's admonition. Life is beautiful. Let's cleanse it of all injustice. Was Armstrong. And my brother Charlie before that. Charlie Morgan playing a whiskey blues slide guitar about a flood, one of the results floods are of global warming. When the flood reached Marin County, Love Field, Okay, it's that time of our program where, uh, if we're lucky, we get to communicate with our uh, campus correspondents. And today, Avita is calling us up, and I'm asking her, well, I'll go ahead and ask her. Avita, today we're dedicating the program to uh, Earth Day, a lot of really nice uh, songs and stories about Earth Day, and I'm wondering what 
your take on Earth Day is. You were talking to me about some kind of instant fashion. Could you run that down a little and... in which people are always trying to keep up with trends uh-huh. especially young people like they want to be pictured in a certain trend and post it and then they don't use that clothes anymore really or they throw it away in the next season or next few weeks even because then there's a new trend that they want to be part of and um like major companies countries and just made into big like trash sheets there and that's pretty much it okay certainly uh, as unecological as you can get who buys these kinds of things where are they marketed like places like gap and stuff like that like yeah gap is one of them the more it's like places that are geared towards teenagers like younger people like um forever 21 shane H&M, Zara, um, all those usually, like, they're the ones who are doing it. I see. I see. Yeah. Okay, and, and um, so this is, this is a new trend now. People buy clothes that, they're, that are not meant to last. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's happening is the people who make these clothes, who labor for you know, cents on the hour... <laughs> yeah. are going to be pushed ever harder for more production, right? I mean, oh, yeah. companies are making profits, but the workers are not, you know, sharing in those profits. Oh, no, yeah. It's, and I mean, of course, there's like the Uyghur Muslims, where it's not even literal slaves. Literal slaves. So what are some of the companies that are doing this? Are there any companies? companies that sort of stand out as practitioners of this type of thing? Um, well, I know Shane for sure is a Chinese company, and then Zara, um, but otherwise, like, I think places are doing it now, like, online retail, too, is pushing that, where they're cutting costs even on stores, and you're just doing it all online, you know? So it's different groups, and it's a business model that is um, being developed and, like, pushed, I guess. Um, But there's also things, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like water is important. It's going to be a big deal in the future, like, because 
there like water there's a lot of spills already with all these train derailments oh yeah there's water spills and then the pipelines and um just like general global warming where you know everything's changing like fresh water rivers um will merge into salted oceans like all these things like we need to uh sort of watch out and you know if you even look at the price of water now it's going up and um yeah i mean it's something that people in other countries are already going through and we're the first world so like every everything we see that's happening in third world countries will eventually to an extent happen to us yes it will and and already you know one people one third of all the people in the world don't have access constant access to fresh water right they've got to go through a lot to get it or yeah you know anyway um are you aware of any earth earth day stuff going on down where you are or up at uc davis Some places they organize big uh, groups of people to go on the highways and roadways and pick up trash. basically whatever not whatever but the things they're saying are important i usually will research it and you know see and it always turns out to be like the most important pressing thing that or the root cause of all the other things that everyone's saying so i think for earth day that's one thing that we can do or just remember like to give spotlight and to give attention and support to like native people all over the world because uh-huh. they're the ones who like really know, and their voices aren't heard enough. Okay, very well said, and I certainly appreciate you know your calling in and uh, offering your point of view. And that news about uh, what's it called, fast fashion? Yeah, kind of depressing. Something we should all pay more attention. Organize boycotts or whatever, you know. Yeah, people are already getting They are, they, they're doing a lot more. Thrifting. Like, they'll go to a thrift store, and they're just buying stuff from thrift store, and they're revamping it, like, with a sewing machine. Or, you know, changing it up. Um, so there is, like, counterculture of people who are like, oh, we don't want to be part of trends. Like, we're just going to be original, make original creations. So Well, let's hope so, and uh, 
good to hear. So um, have a good day. Okay. And, Thank uh, you. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. Okay, so that was Vita, our campus correspondent, uh, formerly of UC Davis, right now going through a, a series of changes to see where she uh, ends up. It's about 11.40, and I do want to play Bituation, where your tax money goes. Tax day. Taxes. Uh, paying your taxes is so much fun. Gonna mm -mm -mm. get turbo tax. Even I already bought one. Mine, right. are, mine are all, uh, I mean, in January, my accountant and I were like, we're gonna move the, we're gonna, we're gonna get a head right? start. Yeah. We're, no, 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 no. We're gonna extend. We're gonna extend. Oh, we're gonna extend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I, you gotta, um, like, do you, here's the, th what's, uh, it's very hard to know how little billionaires pay in tax. Um, like, I believe Bezos paid point four percent of his income, his earned income, which, again, none of this applies to the capital gains that they're making hand over fist from all yeah. their investments. But um, they're the innovators. They need to keep their money so they can keep innovating. Job creators. Uh, so, so, but like, then when you consult your own shit and you're like, okay, so I'm going to write off, uh, you know, like four by four square foot, like this desk area of my home, because I use it to stream yeah. for my oh, podcast that relies on Patreon, which I then have to pay taxes. Like, it's just yeah. like it's only 400 feet. That's all you can write off. Absolutely. <laughs> just like the small little, I guess it'll be, and it's just a percentage of that. Anyway. Yeah. All to say, it is it is tax season, and in case we needed this uh, crude, crude and cruel reminder, the organization I used to work for, shout out to War Resisters League, WRL, always puts out this um, pie chart every year, which is where your income tax money really goes. And it shows uh, that currently 43% of our dollar goes to the military, and a lot of it is current military, and you got past military. Um, then 45%, so more than the military, is human resources. That accounts for things like uh, Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and it is why the GOP is so, so hot to strip those uh, programs away from people. Because mm -hmm. uh, they see human resources versus military. And they're like, mm, we're going to go with the human resources that help mostly poor people. So. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Now, what you get sold is this other pie chart. And here's a chart that shows that the military is only 15% of national defense. Um, but as War Resisters League points out, um, it's a distortion of how our income tax dollars are spent because it includes trust funds, i.e. Social Security. And most of the past military spending is not distinguished from non-military spending. So that could go under Got social it. programs, et cetera. Um, for a more accurate representation of how your federal income tax dollars really spent, see the larger graph. And so the other thing is that it's true that on this this other chart, you've seen Social Security, it's like, oh, look at what a big part of it. But then if you actually lump it in with human resources, you've got education, health and human services, you've got yeah. um, HUD, Labor Department, um, 
health and uh, clean energy credits and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so to say nothing of you've got physical resources over here, 6%, general government, 6% over here. So yeah, 43% to the military and it keeps going up. Um, and as the Institute for Policy Studies reminded Ooh. us, if we paid our taxes, we likely paid $1,087 for Pentagon contractors and $270 for K through 12 public education. Oh. Awful. Mm, that's it. That's it. Look, they're so, gonna war economy. We're gonna need soldiers. Exactly. Why would you make college free? Because who's who would enroll? Absolutely. We water. But if we were to dream, where do we want our taxes to go, guys? Sound off. Thoughts. Think about education it. for sure. Ooh, this is my tax wish list. Bringing it back. Um. You you started with education. Education, yeah. Yeah, you got to educate people. That's why, I think that's where we are today. Like, people are just dumb. It's true. <laughs> like, it's true. No, if you it, keep them dumb, then that's great. I say give all the money. I was going on about this on the bonus bitch last week. Uh, we were talking about how NPR ditched Twitter and how NPR and PBS... And, you know, things like the National Endowment for the Arts gets, like, super short-shrifted. So any kind of publicly mm -hmm. funded media, which, by the way, NPR receives, like, very little of its budget from the actual government. Yeah. Um, but Republicans love to go at it. I say give them all the money. Give them all the money. Let them do all the podcasts so they can buy my podcast. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I can speak in hushed tones, you know. Mm -hmm. I've got a weird name, Francesca Fiorentini. Like, I'm already halfway there. Yeah. Um, I know some of you guys are like, no, Francesca, you're way too loud for NPR. I, I can tone it down. I can. I think you could. I think you can just get real close. Yeah, just get exactly. Real close just, in the microphone. It's very ASMR. Yeah. I think give all the money to the arts. The NEA is so underfunded. We need an industry, and you're a comic. We understand how underfunded, like, comedy is generally, venues, and how much of a grind it is. Imagine yep. if there was subsidies for those venues so they wouldn't have to underpay performers as yeah. they do, right? Like, um, imagine if it was, yeah, partly supported by, like, the government. Yeah. I mean, other countries do it. They have huge yep. grants. I have a friend who works in the industry, and she moved to Ireland and is like, I'm staying here. I can make work, and the government will help me fund it. Bro, I'm... You know, it's, it's, they actually I'm just close. care about it. I'm very close. Yeah. And Ireland's definitely on the list because, yeah. again, hu husband refuses cute? to learn a different language. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but Irish is a different language. Okay. Yeah, it's true. I would, I think I would go to the UK. Even though it's good, it's very, I mean, the Tories, holy shit. They've got their own set of problems, but, you know. It's they, expensive. You'd have to live in sort of like expensive. a windswept, sheepy place, you know? Uh, it sounds amazing. Yes, I'm taken. I'm there. There's Francesca, <clears throat> her analysis of the tax code. Telling us where it's going. As far as that goes, it's time for us to get out of here. Hand the mic over to Scott Walker. 
ad hoc station manager. A wonderful job. Okay. Stay tuned for flat black plastic. See, remember if one person gets a dollar, they dollar they didn't get. We don't have a at this table the negotiating work on the menu. But never let anyone it's not a friendly place. Hi everybody have a good And you can see, you know, he opens the door, right? Hyman Ross, your father was, you know, but your father never trusted. This is Sam Roth. Yeah, this is Hyman Roth? It's his brother, Sam. In Godfather oh. 2. Do you remember the scene where he brings the cake? You know, like, let everybody see the cake before we cut it. You know, do you remember yeah, that right. scene? Yeah, of course. Not, I want to share what when I go. Not for years. The doctors would disagree with you. Anyway, sitting to his right, and I went and got the clip when I read it. It sure as fuck is him, man. He's sitting right to the right of uh, to the left of Hyman Roth, it's his brother, Sam Roth. That's so great. Oh, look, the baseball bat guys, can I help you? Baseball bats. Oh, yeah, come on in. Like, you, Sam you see Roth owes in money. Sam Roth owes money because he is a gambler, you see. He's a drunk gambler. Oh, well, by he, the way, yes, he gave Bud Spencer brandy, right? Yeah. Like, that bottle is brandy. It's but after this, <laughs> But then check out what Grandpa drinks after this. Oh, they're really tearing up the house. Oh, not my collection of cats by Bill Milken. Uh, M. Milken. Remember that that seventies comic of cats? I guess. Yes. Um, okay. Now we're gonna. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio FM. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. FM has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Namaste. Every Monday at 6 p.m., it's Joke Workshop, streaming live on mutinyradio.fm. Lift the veil from your third eye on joke creation and what it takes to be a stand-up comic. 
in the five shakasanas of San Francisco's comedy scene. This all-ages open mic invites Oh, pre-sign by Venmoing two to five dollars at Mutiny Radio. Join us live for a small and special audience at the Mutiny Radio Studio and Gallery Performance Space, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street in the deep, deep, deep mission every Monday at 6 p.m. Does my ponytail look cool? Thank you. Namaste. Tuesday used to be the most unlikely night for fun. But every week at 6 p.m., come to OMG's Tuesday Open Mic. And see comics work out new material for free. For free. They get your Tuesday night party on with two-for-one well drink specials during the 6 to 8 p.m. show. Check out Eventbrite to reserve your free seat every Tuesday, 6 p.m. At OMG on Savory 6th Street. Savory 6th Street. Show up to go up. Hey, kids. It's your pal, Spiderman. <laughs> Sorry, Spiderman. Bottomer Spiderman. When I'm not swinging through the senior facility, best in Mysterio at Boggle, or getting beautifully plowed by the Rhino, I'm headed down to Mutiny Radio at the corner of 21st and Florida. They got some schlemiels doing the laugh laugh. But hey, don't be a schmuck and donate 2 to $5 on... Hold, hold on, what is this? Let me get my glasses. The print's too small. Venmo? That's not real. What is that, Swedish? You knew that, right? This is in San Francisco. I'll drown it on. It's nap time. The year is 2023. Oh, I wish that laughter had value and the unexpected laugh was priceless. Worry not. True entertainment has brought us a savior in whosthatlive.com. Oh, finally, an escape from the apocalyptic nightmare I live in. You can go to whosthatlive.com and buy comedy tickets. And you're in the raffle, I guess. True, 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 true production. First Sundays of every month, join your friends from Mutiny Radio at Hotel Utah on 4th and Bryant. 5 p.m. first Sundays for free comedy. Is San Francisco getting you down? Is everything too expensive? Not first Sundays of the month at Hotel Utah for free comedy with Mutiny Radio. Incredible lineups every month with the best comic comedians from around the Bay. Join your friends trying to keep things affordable for free comedy first Sundays of the month. Hotel Utah, 4th Street. Weekly comedy at the best neighborhood bar in the city. Join your friends from Mutiny Radio every Thursday at 8 p.m. at the Bar on Dolores at 29th and Dolores. Starting after any very important sports game that might happen to be on, you're guaranteed a night of laughter for free. And when you play with the drink specials and the nicest bartender in San Francisco, it'll become a Thursday ritual. Show up to go out for comics, and please, reserve your free tickets on Eventbrite so we know you're coming to laugh. Baby. <laughs> happy, 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 happy,
happy hour the is when the comedy is the cheapest. Happy hour, the most free two hours of hour-long comedy on the radio and internet streaming live at 2781 21st Street. Come down, be in the audience. Dog friendly. Dog friendly. We are. Mutiny Radio is absolutely dog friendly. Ooh, a dog party. Ain't no party like a dog party. <laughs> dog party at Mutiny Radio. Every Friday, dog party at Mutiny Radio. Happy hour. <laughs> 2781 21st Street. Happy hour. Mutiny Radio. Dot FM. Here in Dot SF. Calling all crusties, punks, and poses. Pick your posteriors up off the pavement. Pack up your pins and patches and prepare to party. The Pacific Northwest Vest Fest returns this Saturday at SeaTac. Bring a can of PB. Anywho, right here on two drums. It's going to be our... 